This is the podcast where we get the inside scoop on everyday people. We find out how they think, problem solve, manage their time, and how they navigate tricky situations. We ask the questions that you always wonder about the people in your life, but never get to ask. This is the podcast where you gain that insight. We don't live in a silo. We're not on our own. So let's talk about it and connect. Welcome to the Insight Catalyst podcast. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Insight Catalyst podcast. An exciting one today. We've got Lauren Keenan joining us. Now, Lauren is the author of the 52-week project. I've read her book, and it was really, really interesting, and I thought that you guys would enjoy having Lauren come on to talk to you guys about her story and how she came to write a book. So, Lauren, thank you for making the time. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. How's your week been? Oh, it's been pretty good, moving into winter. Yeah, that's right. It's certainly cooling down here. Hey, well done on the book. I thought it's awesome. I've just finished reading maybe a couple of months ago, and then I gave it to my partner to read, and she loved it too. Great. Have you, have you had good feedback? Yeah, I have actually. I think that the thing that surprised me the most is how much it's motivated people that I've known or known a long time ago to get back in touch with me, and it's been absolutely lovely. It's been, it must be a hell of a process to see it on the shelves in a bookstore. You must be proud of that. Oh, it's so exciting. (laughs) You know, whenever I see it in a bookshop, I think, wow, I can't believe that I've actually managed to do that thing I always wanted to do, which is have a book that other people can actually see and read. That is so cool. So the book is called The 52-Week Project. If you wouldn't mind telling us how you came to write the story, why you wrote it, and sort of what what the book is about. I guess, I mean, taking back a couple of steps, there was this winter, and it was a horrible winter. You know, anyone who knows, especially Wellington in June, will know exactly the kind of winter I'm talking about. When it was raining, it was cold, it was miserable, everyone hibernated. And for me, it was particularly bad because I'd recently separated from my husband, and I was just really lonely. Things just weren't really working out for me. I was experiencing, in the 52-week project, I describe it as the downward spiral of suck, which is just when things just get worse and worse and worse, and you make all the bad decisions, and you eat all the pies, and you don't do any exercise, and things just get, you know, it sucks. That's why it's called the downward spiral of suck. And I realized after this one night, I really wanted to do something. I just felt like getting out into the world. And I arranged a series of things this one Friday night and they just all fell through. So I went to the movies by myself and it was a bit of a downer and it was a real downer movie that I went to. It was a World War II movie, which isn't the best kind of one to go to when you're really feeling a bit crappy. (laughs) (laughs) And on the way home, I realized that I'd invited 27 people to hang out with me that night and every single one of them had said no. I've since referred to that as the 27 rejections of doom. But the twenty second rejections, the twenty seven rejections of doom for me was a catalyst in terms of it made me reassess the way things were in my life, and something needed to change. It was time to try something new, so I decided to try fifty two new things. How did you decide on those things? I did a Facebook post actually very early on, and I got ideas from people, 
and I talked to people that I knew. I said, you know, is there anything new you've always wanted to try? What is this? I went through my old bucket lists. You know, we all have things. In the book, I described them as kind of hopes, dreams, and bullshit. Like there's these things that you want to do, you just haven't really found time, you haven't really had the motivation to do before. But we've all got those things, the things that we say, oh, we'll do them if only, if only we've got time, if only we have the money, if only we have the permission space. So I already had a, some things in that list that I already had wanted to try, but a lot of the 52 things were actually ideas from other people and some of them were things that I, you know, paddleboarding, I didn't actually know paddleboarding existed before I did it, before someone suggested it to me. So I relied a lot on the people around me and sometimes even people I didn't even really know who heard that I was doing the 52-week project and had these amazing ideas for me. That's so cool. So some of them were, I think, mountain biking. You did one that was a stand-up comic show. Yeah, I did a stand-up comedy that was brutally scary. I did a stand-up comedy and it was called Raw Meat Monday. (laughs) Sacrificial raw meat. That was an idea that a friend of mine had had and and when she first suggested I said, no, I am not doing stand-up comedy. I am not getting pelted by rotten tomatoes and and booed off a stage. But she convinced me and I did it and it was just amazing. It was so satisfying and terrifying and satisfying and I'd never do it again, but I still loved it. And that's the thing with a lot of the, the new things I did. Even if you didn't love a thing, you never, ever regret having done it. Mm-hmm. What was the standout for you? Obviously, probably the scariest might have been the comedy show. Well, that would have been yeah. scariest for me. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been shaking, I'm sure. Yeah, was there one that just stood out to you as being the most memorable or that you got the most from? I think that's really hard to to answer that question, a lot of people have asked me that, which is the most memorable, and I think they kind of fit in different categories. Like there's ones that I think about a lot. Um, I think about feeding the lions a lot because I was really scared, and same with swimming with sharks. I found that absolutely terrifying and satisfying. But then some of the other ones were just low-key, nice little things, and like doing cross-stitch was something I'd never done before. You mentioned going mountain biking. Uh, cross-stitch and mountain biking were hobbies that I picked up that I've continued. So you had the that terrible night in winter in Wellington. Yes, yes. the 27 directions right. of doom. Yeah, I love the name. So you thought, okay, let's do something. You started to make a list of working towards 52 things. Yep. How did. do you go from that to publish in the book so what's the process to actually publish a book because I know so many people would love to hear how you do it yeah I I was journaling as I went anyway and I was I've always done writing as a way of processing my feelings you know I've kept a diary since I was 12 it's so self-indulgent navel gazy especially my teenage diaries they're not for anyone's eyes except for myself <laughs> but, for me, but for me writing is something that I've always done as a way of working things through and I had a lot going on at that time so I wrote about it I was going through a phase when I was really obsessed with reading psychology so I was just absorbing everything I could find in popular psychology especially relationship psychology and things like that and I just started writing I never really set out to write this book you know I've always done fiction I'd always wanted to write a novel all my previous publication has been fiction but this one just 
came out really. It, it sounds naff, but it's true. So what I did is I wrote it and I wrote this big tome about all my woes and I left it for a year, which was the advice because it was just too raw. And then I came back to it after about a year and I just took a hatchet to it because the thing with this kind of book is there's a very big difference between the story you want to tell and the story anyone else might want to read. So I came back to it after a year. I knocked out 20,000 words. Wow. Because it was just embarrassing and cringy and self-indulgent and quite angry. <laughs> yeah. Quite ranty. Very ranty, actually. Yeah. So I took out all the ranty and then I realized that it was in a position for someone else to potentially read it. I didn't know what to do with it, so I just submitted it to a slush pile for a publisher and I guess the rest is history. Wow. So you put it into a publisher and then they obviously go through a process and they decide whether they want to publish and they then they go ahead with it? Yeah, publish with Ellen and Unwin who are an amazing publisher. Like I've had such a good experience with them. I can't speak more highly of them really. And they have something that they call the Friday Pitch where every Friday you can put in a book and they will tell you within a fortnight whether or not they want to take it forward. So I did this and I expected that it, they say, you know, the wording on the website is the same as every other publisher. It's like, if you haven't heard with it from us within a fortnight, just assume that we do not want to continue with this project. Um, but then I got an email like three days later and I thought it was like a joke. <laughs> and then I spoke to the woman on the phone and then they wanted a, I submitted one chapter, then they wanted two more chapters and then they wanted an outline and then it just all went through. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so exciting. So did you have so to exciting. submit that? I mean, you would you would build the book as you go, but did you have to submit everything all at once or did you just submit it in pieces? So that initial submission, was it just one chapter? I submitted one chapter. I submitted the first chapter, which is about my relationship with my looks. Yeah. That was the first one that I put in. Um, then I had to then submit two more and then they wanted to see the entire manuscript. And then how long did it take you to do that after? So they said, yeah, we'd like to see the whole lot. How many more weeks or months was it? I didn't have a terribly long turnaround, actually. I mean, since publishing the book, I've had a few people ask me advice on how to get a non-fiction book published. And my advice is always finish the book first. Uh, I, I know that there are some people that are ab able to get book deals, perhaps on a concept or a few chapters. But in my experience, you... When you write the whole book, you know what story you want to tell. And that year that I left it for made it a much better book and it also made it a safer story for me to tell. It gave me a little bit of psychological distance from the rawness of the things that I was saying in it. And that's been an armor around me since the book has been published. I think, I think that you are doing yourself a disservice if you tell a story when you're still halfway through the processing process. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of really raw stuff in that book and people say to me, like, I'm quite surprised how many people I vaguely know who have read it and they often say, well, you were brave. But I don't feel brave because by the time it was published, it was still a story that was a couple of years old and I'd gone through that process. But if I got it published straight away, I would have left myself a lot more vulnerable, I think. Yeah, sure. So then what's next? They get, you get your full manuscript, they edit it, Give feedback? Yeah, yeah, went through um, the copy on the shelves is edit 15. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I submitted draft six. So they have editors and things who give you work with yeah, you? Yeah, 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 they go through all their process. It's an incredibly professional outfit. 
they provide feedback um they didn't they said to me that it's, it's relatively unusual to get a book pu- picked up like that and i think it helped that my one the, the difference between the version that was submitted and the version that was published isn't a massive big difference you've done well and then do they sort all the distribution to the retailers and I mean, I bought mine at the warehouse, and so that that's. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, they do all that stuff. Yeah, I've seen it at the warehouse. It's cool. Yeah. It's funny, eh? I always wanted to write this great work of literature, but I've kind of written <laughs> an e- I kind of written an airport book, and I actually like that more. Because you've written other books, haven't you? I saw at the front of this they talk about the book that you previously published. Yeah, I I've published short stories. Um, I've published short stories, and recently actually another short story a couple of weeks ago, which is. A different kind of writing. I've got another book coming out later this year, which is fiction. Going back to my fiction writing roots, um, I like pop psychology though. I definitely got more in me to do there. I've got so many ideas of things I want to write. I just need to find better. I just need to find the time to do it. I think, yeah. and also to go through that really long process of writing and then letting it sit and then editing it. And... Yeah, yeah, good on you. That is so cool. So writing is your next. Or is your current passion and what's taken up most of your time? Or are you still working? Or Yeah, I work. I work. I work, I, um, I work for government, which is a job I like, which also is a very writing-based job. So that helps a lot in terms of, I guess, it's a different kind of writing, but it's still writing. Yeah. And then you write as a hobby or on the side. Yeah, I write as a hobby. COVID's been helpful because life has been very quiet because of yep. COVID. Um, I find it interesting because when I wrote the 52-week project and 27 rejections of Doom, I was very lonely, but now I'm not lonely, even though I see fewer people. I quite enjoy my own company a lot more now, and that was one of the main learnings from the year, actually. I went through a phase of really needing other people, and now I'm much more self-sufficient. I love it. That was my next question. You know, what did you, what was your biggest learning out of that year? So obviously you learnt perhaps had it be in your own company a little bit more but also did it change your life or what, what did you get out of those 52 weeks I think it really gave me the confidence to be who I am and I, I feel lucky I think because you know 2020 COVID was just the hand that kept on slapping it was terrible it was a hard year for everybody but I think because of the year of new things I was able to hit that year from a much stronger place and it's made me much more resilient and that impacts your life now you still continues and you build on it it absolutely does and the ability to be able to make your own decisions to kind of you know to use the naff phrase kind of make your own fun and to get a better sense of what you want from your life how you want to achieve it and and that honest conversation about who you are versus who you think you are and bridging that gap between those two things, which is something I explored in the 52-week project, is probably the biggest benefit that I've had from it. So there's not another 52 things lined up for next year? I kind of tried to do one new thing a month, and I'm kind of doing that at the moment, but I just don't really have the energy for it anymore. I think it was a one-off project. I think now I'm focusing more on tweaks, as I think of them as. Um, Focusing in on little changes that aren't big big glamorous insta worthy big things there's small things like go to bed earlier or drink more water you know the boring stuff but the boring stuff that actually makes your life better 
Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you've got, you want to publish a few more books. You've got another book. Okay. What's, yes. What are the next two or three years look like for you? Do you have any goals and things that you'd like to achieve? It's a story I'd quite like to tell around trauma and post-traumatic stress that I've written a first draft of that I'm still thinking on um, because I think there's slightly a, a darker piece about how we how we deal with trauma and how we as a society talk about things like resilience, being strong, what we can do to resist problems that we have. So I'd quite like to explore that. There's a lot of themes I didn't pick up in the 52-week project that I'd like to explore in my writing at some point. Things like burnout is one of them, money management, uh, a little bit more about exercise and health, mindful well-being, things like that. Not in a naff way because this stuff's the way it's been done, right? There's a lot of books on these things. But I was quite like the idea of framing it in terms of the tweaks. So what I was thinking next time is instead of thinking about 52 awesome, exciting new things, thinking about if you were going to make, say, 26 tweaks to your life, what should those little tweaks be? And then what about outside of writing? Writing. I've got, got two kids. They're amazing. They're seven and nine. They take up a lot of my time and I willingly give it. I'm very, very happy with my parenting at the moment. And I think that the 52-week project was a big part of that. Yeah. We spend a lot of time together. We do crafts. We play board games. It's so much fun with them. Of course, there's moments in parenting that aren't fun, which kind of go without saying, but on balance, it's incredibly positive. Spend a lot of time with them, work, write. Um, I'm trying to exercise. I'm starting another exercise regime. I'm always starting them. This, this one, hopefully, I'll finish. Yeah. <laughs> but I just have to see how that goes. And then there's not that much else, really. Yeah. Well, my, main, I, I, my main goal right now is actually to spend less time on the internet, which is proving to be quite hard. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook claw you back in. I know. I know. I'm relatively new to Instagram. Still trying to figure it out. How do you manage all that? Do you do you have a not not a timetable as such, but you've got so many parts of your life, and do you compartmentalize them and say, right, this time is for this, this time is for that, or do you sort of just is it quite fluid? I think the thing I've realised is you can do all the things, you just can't do them all at once. So I tend to do things in fits and starts, like the book that I got published, that I'm getting published later this year, I wrote it last year, and I wrote it really quickly, because I did very little except for write in my free time, for maybe six weeks it was, six weeks to, to two months, and then I didn't do any writing for the two weeks after that, I started doing more exercise. Right. So I think that's how I operate, so I'm kind of, I'm, I, and, I, and that's just how I've always been, I think. I'll do something intensely and then I won't do it at all so a lot of people ask me about writing they say how do you do it do you wake up an hour earlier in the morning or how do you factor in time and I find that for me my process is to get kind of consumed by it so I'll take leave I'll take some annual leave I'll do nothing but write in my free time for a little bit of time and then I'll just completely leave it alone and it's easier yeah because you can't if you're always scattering between lots of things you're not really giving anything it's full you know what it deserves on a typical day if you think of an average day if there is one what does your first hour or so in the morning look like what do you do just stumbling around in a fog (laughs) (laughs) no clear routine no no trying to eat breakfast (laughs) trying to eat breakfast if i haven't slept in no i'm not a morning person in fact a lot of my writing is done quite late at night which is quite naughty you know i get a little bit fixated when i'm in the middle of something 
I need to be a little bit more disciplined with what, what my husband calls a writing hole. <laughs> <laughs> and each day looks different for you. You don't have a set structure to your days. No, I, I do. I work forty hours a week. Um, I mean, kids stuff around that. I don't think my routine is particularly interesting or different than most people who work Monday to Friday nine to five jobs. Go off to work, come home, cook. Yeah. Rinse, repeat. Yeah. <laughs> do a bit of writing where you can in the evenings. Yeah, do it where I can. Yeah. And is that your relaxation? Is that how you de-stress through writing? Yeah, it is. It is. I like it. I mean, I love – I go through this process with writing where I love writing a first draft. It's just when you write a first draft, Anne Patchett, the writer, wrote this great book on writing, and she said in there, nothing is ever better than the draft you haven't written yet, the idea that you've just had. But then through the process of writing, you realise that it's flawed and it's not quite the same when you catch it in writing than, than what it could have been in your mind, kind of in the abstract future. Mm. Um, but I love writing first drafts because they're just full of potential and they're fun and you watch your word count go up and you just kind of charge forward and it's great. It's the editing that I definitely, that, that strays much more into chore territory for me did you attend any courses or have you had any learning on how to write a book uh, i who are your publishers the maori publishers i was on the uh, it was called the papatupu maori writing incubator program in 2016 i was selected as a participant on that and that was six months when i was pegged with a mentor who helped me a lot and also introduced me to a writing community so I did that over a six-month process. Sorry, a six-month period, and that was when I wrote the short stories that have since been published. Ah, oh, nice. But I haven't had formal training. I've thought about it, but I just don't know if it's something that I can really afford, to be honest, because it requires not having a job. You hear about them, and you hear of authors coming in to run sessions, and I've ne- obviously I've never been on one, and I'm wondering if it's a good idea for people who are looking to write a book or who do want to follow the process as you. I think um, the best book on writing that I've ever read was written by Stephen King. It's called On Writing, and he talks about how one of the dangers with creative writing programs is that you share work before it's fully formed, and you're much more sensitive to criticism at that point. So you need to judge very carefully at what point you share your work with other people. Mm. Like I talked about, it was draft six I sent to Ellen Unwin for 52-week project, but they were actually the first person, that was the first people that had ever seen it because I think if I'd shown an earlier draft to someone and I'd said, oh, this is a bit dumb, I would have lost my fire yeah. to keep writing. And people are very critical of early drafts because most people, you, you say to someone, oh, I've written this thing, do you want to have a look? It's, it's just a first draft. Then they'll get out their red pen before they've even started reading. Yeah. So what would be your advice for someone who would like to publish? So obviously – Try and get a full manuscript. Yeah, I think you've got to see it through. You've got to finish because it might end in a different place than you thought. I think it's fun to write a first draft without time frames. Writing without time frames in a first draft in your own time when you're writing well and in the time and space that you can best give it is you're doing yourself a favour. It's not a race. You know, these things take a long time. Writing is a long process. I started writing the 52-week project in mid-2017. So almost four years ago now, and it's it's three and a half years from the first word being written to it being in the shops. And that's normal in publishing as well. Can people self-publish? So if the 
publisher said no sorry we're not interested yeah when, you can is that, or is it, does that get more expensive no i mean i've self-published a book too i actually self-published a novella that i wrote in 2012 under a fake name um, I never told anyone at the time because I felt weirdly shy and I looked it up recently and it was like had 300 downloads and I'm like, who are those people? I don't even know. Wow. Um, it's free. It takes a bit of time. I think self-publishing is a good option for many people, especially if they're in genre fiction or more diverse fiction. There are examples of people who have gone the self-publishing route who have then been picked up by conventional publishers or they maybe they don't even want to be picked up by conventional publishers because if they're doing well, there's a lot of money in self-publishing. But there's a lot of stuff out there. And I think I think the thing that makes me hesitant about self-publishing for me is I've just seen the difference between – and these are two books that I've worked on now, the 52-week project and this other one that's coming – the difference between the draft that has been submitted to a publisher and the draft that will eventually hit the shelves and how having someone else's framing over it and look through it and editing of it, it, it is beyond what I am capable of doing on my own. And I think if I'd self-published either of my books, they wouldn't have been as good as what the final products were. Mm, true. So my understanding, and I'm probably way off, but if you self-publish you could write a hundred pages, whatever, and publish it and you pay that cost. And if you get someone to publish it, they'll have an editor that it'll be tweaked and, and uh, molded to how they might see it. And then they produce it or how does, how does it, it's free to self publish through Amazon. Like I didn't pay anything to self publish my other novella through Amazon. Right. So you do digital copies. Yeah. No, no, you can order on, you can order physical copies as well. Um, oh, through cool. Amazon. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's free. I found the formatting quite hard. Right. Um, I had to deal with font sizes and formatting and random how things look on the page. Yeah. And I found, because I'm technologically competent, I found that really taxing. And you yeah. have to also do all your publicity yourself. True. And I just didn't in my case. But some people do a really good job. Like I've got friends who have self-published and they've done very well because – they do a lot of marketing. They work very hard on their online presence. Whereas a publisher, they manage all they that. Do, they, they manage all that for you. All of that. Wow. I've done a lot myself as well, but it's still fundamentally managed by them. Yeah. Wow. And then obviously they take a percentage of the sales and things. And Yes. Well, it's kind of the reverse that I get a royalty from. Yeah, you, you get sales. a small part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is fine. I think it's commiserate with costs because they still carry the bulk of the costs and the risk. Yeah, that's right. Ah, awesome. Fascinating to hear about that's that. That's interesting, eh? Yeah, yeah, because you don't often hear the other side of I mean, I just read the books and I never get to talk yeah. to the authors. So um, that's so cool to hear the story. Yeah, it's interesting. It's been a learning, learning curve. A yeah, I'm sure. Curve. Hey, well, um, I've just got a final couple of questions for you to wrap it up, sure. and they're not really about um, books or authoring at all. They're quick-fire questions just about yourself and, you know, your your personal life, really. So they're quite, sure. quite easy, simple questions. So my first one is, what's the current Netflix series or movie that you're binging at the moment? I just finished Shit's Creek, and I'm kind of in mourning because it was so amazing. I just don't know what to replace it with. I haven't seen it. What is it? Oh, it's great. It's, I feel like if I describe it, I'll be doing it at the service, but 
the first couple of episodes are a bit odd, but if you get through them, it's just gold. <laughs> okay. Just, how, just how many best. series are there? How many seasons? There's, there's six, but they're quite short shows. Yeah. Cool. No, I just lo- I just loved it. I'll check it out. Um, if you come home late one evening, which I'm sure you do, what's your go-to easy meal? What's your quick meal that you always <laughs> Probably <go-to>? muesli. Muesli. <laughs> <laughs> So no cooking, just no cooking, just muesli, yeah, muesli and yogurt. It's, yeah, it's good. nice. What does your ideal Sunday look like? Uh, I quite like getting out and about on a Sunday. Actually, I quite like doing absolutely nothing on a Saturday and then having some sort of activity on a Sunday with the kids. Nice, like go to the zoo or something like Family that. Family day, yeah, something like that. Yeah, cool. Um, if you were having a dinner party and you were able to invite one celebrity, mm. who would that be? I don't know. That's a really hard question. I guess it depends on what kind of dinner party you want. Probably someone funny. Just so someone funny with a small ego. I don't know if that person exists. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of anyone specifically. That's all good. Uh, And my last question for you is um, traveling around New Zealand in COVID, if you've you've done a little bit of that, a lot of people have seen some things that they would never have seen. What's a place that someone should go and see in New Zealand? I think everyone needs to go to Milford Sound. I went myself not so long ago. And, you know, being from the North Island, I'd been a little bit dismissive of the South Island, I think, and not really understood what everyone goes there, all the international tourists go there. But when I actually, you know, went into Queenstown, hired a car, drove over to Milford, it was just really pretty down there. Yeah. Beautiful way. Eh? The fields yeah. are incredible down there. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed oh, chatting with you and the 52-week project. I think it was awesome. Your book that comes out, does it have a title for if people are looking to um, keep an eye out for no, it? No, it doesn't, unfortunately. It's still being worked through. But Keep an eye out for my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And will it be in the re- you know warehouse bookshops and things? It ought to be. I just need to, those details have yet to be worked through, but yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, excellent. Oh, well, if they, if they want to keep an eye out, look out for Lauren Keenan and also yes. the 52 week project is out there as well. And I recommend that. It's a good read. So, yeah, it'll be, be great to have more listeners. And if anyone does more um, new things or has any ideas, I'm always happy to hear them and yeah. always keen to know what other people are doing in terms of the new things they're doing to make their lives more interesting. Fabulous. Well, Lauren, pleasure to talk to you today. Thank, Thank you so you very much, much for your time.